great crowd this morning. Great crowd, great crowd. Glad, glad to see you all. This is a, this is a special today. Today is a, a special day in the history of First Baptist Church of Geneva. It's not every day that we do this. It's not every, every, even every year that we would do this with uh, deacon ordinations. But today we're, we're, go, we're going to in, uh, ordain install, and install four new deacons in our church. And so this is an exciting day indeed. And I've heard it said that we're never more like God than when we... Give, right? I mean, you've heard that. You've heard that. We're never more like God than when we give. And you think about John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I think that it may be true also uh, that we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. I think there's some truth to that. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28 says, Jesus, uh, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Now listen, he doesn't say, he doesn't at all chastise a desire for someone to do great things for God. Or to be great in the kingdom of God. He does, the Lord doesn't throw any water on that whatsoever. He, in fact, I would think from his response, there's a, that's a good desire to have. To want to, to serve the Lord. To want to do for him. Do great things for him. He said, yet shall it not be so among you. But whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And who, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Verse 28, just as the man. And he says, if you desire to do great things, you desire to be great in the kingdom of God, you want to you wanna have a position. That, that, I'm not saying that's a problem. The Lord doesn't say that. What he says is, then you be the servant. You be the slave of those around you. Just, here's what he says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The Lord Jesus, the King of glory, he did not come to be served. He came to serve. And so when we serve, we may not be any more like Jesus than in those times when we serve. Deacons are called upon to give of themselves, of their time, their talents, and their treasures. They're also called upon to serve. Uh, qualifications of a deacon in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13 say, Likewise, deacons must be reverent. Not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with, with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Let, uh, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Man, that's a, that is an incredible text there of the requirements and the qualifications to be a deacon. Now, when we talk about requirements for a deacon, and some would ask this, you know, what, do, what, are, what are deacons, what's their job? Well, it depends on the church. It depends on how they've set it up in the church to utilize their deacons. But scripture gives no job description whatsoever for deacons. I would challenge you to find in scripture where it clearly says the deacon, this is what they are to do. But we find in scripture the principle here and the, and the, and the layout of maybe what that looks like. In Acts ch uh, chapter 6, that, that verse there, that script, uh, passage there, the, the verse, you'll get it here in a minute. The chapter there, Acts 6, is often, I have to chase them around for a while sometimes, they just don't come. Uh, Acts 6 is often cited as a description of what deacons should do. Uh, but these seven who were called, they were, never, they were never called deacons in Scripture. We don't find them called deacons right there in chapter 6. Uh, we, we have assumed them to be deacons, and many believe they were deacons. But when you, when you read about Stephen, what we read about is Stephen the martyr. That's how he's identified, not Stephen the deacon the, the martyr. Uh, when we read about Philip, we, he is called Philip the evangelist. 
So in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, we get, a, we get kind of a pre-runner of, of, of this deacon ministry and, and why this was brought to be, how it was brought to be, and then how the, the Lord used it. So I want to read these verses, Acts chapter 6. You could turn there if you would like. Acts chapter 6, we're going to look at the first seven verses. Verse 1 says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, so the church is growing there, uh, there, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So the needs of these widows were not being met, not being met properly. And there was some complaint about that. There's discussion on whether it was a legit complaint or what, whether it wasn't. But the fact was something wasn't happening that they felt should be happening and so there was a, a complaint brought to the apostles, verse two, uh, uh, twelve, uh, verse two. Then the twelve summoned the, the, the multitude of the disciples and said, "It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables." There's a problem here. The disciples, the, the apostles here, the twelve apostles were being pulled away from studying, being pulled away from prayer, time giving, in preparation to preach and teach the word of God. They were being pulled away with the needs of serving these tables. That's the need that we're seeing here. Verse 3, therefore, brethren, they, they, they told the, the congregation they had pulled together, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, so we're beginning to see now some of the, the, the qualifications for these types of positions. We already read the qualifications that Paul gave us, and we see here uh, in Acts what is being said. Uh, Seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. They have a good reputation in the community, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So these are, these are, these are men who have a, a, a they're, they're full of the Spirit of God that's evidenced by the wisdom that they ex, 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 uh, express in the way that they conduct their lives. And, and the, the disciples said, whom we may appoint over this business. But, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So what they did was then they chose, verse 5, and, and the, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, uh, Par Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on him. So we see the idea there is the, the disciples, the, these apostles who are leading the church and the church is growing, a need arises. And so what do they say? Look, we can't continue to do this. It's pulling us away from the, the ministry that God has called us to of prayer and, and studying the scriptures. As we prepare to teach, we prepare to preach, we do those things. This is pulling us away. We need help. That's the model in scripture of what a deacon is. There's a need, and then there is to select from the congregation, from the body of Christ, men who are, have these things. They have a good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who then could be appointed over that business, that task, that need, whatever that need may be. And I would, I would argue that that need changes in church to church. You know, if a church planner goes out, I, I, oftentimes it's said that the deacons, their job is to take care of widows and orphans. I would say yes and. Okay? So if that's a legitimate need, then absolutely. But, you know, if a church planner goes out and plants a church, he doesn't have deacons when he starts the church. The church grows. And all of a sudden he's got 20 kids coming and, he, man, I need somebody to take on the, the youth ministry and work with that. I need, and so maybe it's not a time to, to hire a staff person yet. I need somebody to help me with that. Y'all help me find somebody. There's somebody that's qualified in this congregation that we can then identify. The congregation identifies. They vote on it. That person then is appointed. And they can lead and help. And what it does is it takes a burden off of the apostles, in this case, off of the pastor, the elders, in our case, to help with, with tasks within the church. You get an idea now of what this ministry is about, Right? like you didn't already know. I'm sure you did. Whether or not these men were in fact the first deacons, it, it can be debated. Some would argue that absolutely these were the first deacons. Some would argue that, that they weren't. Um, what cannot be debated is that the purpose for them, the process for calling them, and the, product, the productivity from them as God, was God-inspired and then God-blessed. God gave 
a way to meet that need. He provided them. He said, here, apostles, you, you got a problem? Then here, here's some wisdom for you. Have the congregation select these men with a good reputation, full of the Spirit of God, full of wisdom, and let the congregation present them and we'll vote on them, and then you empower them to do that work. That's the model we see. And then look what happened. Verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, why, why, why do you think that happened? Because more and more people were doing what God had called them to do and created them to do. The apostles could give them their time to the study and prayer. The, 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 these, these men, these leaders here, these servant leaders, if they're deacons, these deacons, they went out and they deaconed. And what it did was God blessed through that. And it caused the church to grow. Look again at verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, and wisdom, whom, you may, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, when you start again talking about job descriptions, some churches have seven deacons because of this verse right here. They selected seven. And so they've taken that, that there has to be seven. You have to have seven deacons. Well, you can't do it with three. You have to have seven. You can't have ten. It has to be seven. That, that's not what the scripture teaches us there. Some churches put deacons over, listen, over the business of the church because of this, of this verse. It says, whom we may appoint over this business. Deacons are nowhere in scripture do you find them as the overseers of the church. The word, I'm going to get ahead of myself here in a moment. We're going to talk about what a deacon is. But they're not overseers of the church. They're servants. That's what the word deacon means. So churches that have made the deacon board the governing body of the church, I would contend, are unscriptural. They're, they're out of God's will in what they're doing there. Uh, if those men need to lead the church, then they need to make those men elders and then appoint deacons to deacon and elders to, to oversee and lead. Um, but the business here was meeting a need that the apostles, the elders in the church, had had, uh, had, had, had so that they would not be pulled away from prayer and Bible study. So here at First Baptist Church of Geneva, our deacons are deacons. Okay? They're deacons. It means they are diakonoses. And you'll understand that in a moment if you don't already know what that word is. But they're servants. Our deacons deacon. It's what they do. They serve. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm proud of the deacons we have, and I'm proud of these men that, church, you've called out, you've confirmed, and now today we're going to ordain them and, uh, and, and install them into ministry here at First Baptist Geneva. All of that was the introduction to the introduction. I said, because I'm reading here, it says introduction, so I guess now it's time for me to get started. Um, it won't be that bad. So this morning, our congregation will ordain the following four men as deacons. Todd Brain. Todd, if you would, just stand up and turn around. For those who may not know Todd, this is Todd Brain. Uh, Dave Callen. Patrick Duncan. Y'all went in alphabetical order, and I didn't even ask you to. <laughs> and Chris Sheets. These are, these are our deacons, our new deacons, folks. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. So the Greek word, uh, the, I'm sorry, the term deacon is a term which in our English translation, uh, or it's actually a, a word that we transliterate into English. The, the word diakonos is the word uh, that, that we find in, de, in, in Greek, but in, in English it's just translate, transliterated. It's just diakonos to deacon. It's not a it's not what that means. It's just transliterated to say deacon. Diakonos, deacon is the same word. Now, this Greek word is found 31 times in the New Testament. 20 times the word is translated as minister. So when you find the word diakonos in Scripture, when, a lot of times when you find the word minister, if you go back and look up that word, what you're going to find is it's the word diakonos, and it means to serve or to minister. Eight times it's translated servant or servants, and only three times is that word diakonos simply just transliterated, and that's found in Philippians 1.1 and 1 Timothy 3.8 and 3.12. Um, it's imperative to understand that when God calls people to serve in his church, he looks for those whose hearts are right with him. Uh, we've, I, I was talking about this recently with someone about 
how do we identify these men? How did you identify? How did we identify these men? It's because they were men that were already doing. They, were, they, they weren't looking for the position of deacon. They weren't looking for a title so we could give them a, 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 little, a, a little badge or whatever to put on their, their jacket or their shirt that says, I'm a deacon. These guys weren't looking for that. We identified them because they were servants. They, they faithfully attend church. They're serving in church. They're givers financially of their time, of their talents, treasures, energies. They're givers to the church. So the, that's, that's how you've identified them. And we, as we examine them, identified these men. These men were already diakonos. They're already servants. All we're doing today is identifying what God has already done in their lives. Amen. So it's, it, it, so it's imperative that, that we understand this, that, that how God has identified them. Now, I want to I present to you this morning a good example, a good, a good, good example of a godly deacon. Okay? I'm going I'm to I'm just, and, and you're going to hear from him, but for many years, uh, Brother Jim Milner has, has served faithfully in this church Amen. as a deacon. And he has served in this church. And uh, I, loved, I loved Jim Milner. Jim knows I love him. I've, been, I've tried several times to get Jim to consider being an elder. I can't get him convinced, so the Lord hadn't spoke to him, I guess. Uh, he's that kind of quality of a, of a man and, and servant of the Lord. And uh, tell you what we did yesterday. So uh, there was a, a need identified and Jim was made aware of the need, and he began to work on it. And so we had someone in our church who, who their roof was damaged through the last three hurricanes and was not able to, to didn't have insurance, couldn't get insurance. So for three hur hurricanes, the roof just patch here, patch there, and then identified some problems where there was a leak. And Jim, Jim got wind of that and went to work on it. And yesterday there were, uh, I think it was 17 or 18 men out there working on that need. And I wish I'd have sent the picture. We had a great picture of those guys. Um, but we had, we had 17 or 18 people out there working on that. We were able to get the roof torn off, got it dried in, got some shingles back on. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what the plan is, but Jim just took it by the horns and then communicated with the other deacons. That's what a deacon does right there. And that's what they do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where I didn't, I didn't have to get involved and worry about details because they took care of that, and that, that's what it is. So uh, Jim Milner, who is uh, our brother and our deacon, he's going to come and he's going to give a word. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't. I didn't. I think I should, probably should have given him some. Some do whatever. So he's going to come and charge and challenge uh, our new deacons, our deacon elect this morning, uh, with a charge or challenge or encourage these men. So Jim. Good morning. We serve an awesome God. And this God, when we were his enemy, showed his love towards us that he died on a cross while we were pulling his beard out and spitting on him. He loved us enough to die for us, to 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 cleanse us of our sins and make us acceptable to get to heaven. How he, in the, in the big plan, chose a worm like me to be a part of his ministry, I will never understand. But I'm grateful that he did. And I'm grateful that these men who we have watched, some of them we have watched grow up in this church, we've seen the journey of spiritual development, and they have agreed to be servants, not for you guys, not for preacher, but for God. Anything that God wants them to do, I'm sure that they would do it. You will have the opportunity to be in houses where there's lost people. You gotta be ready to share the gospel. Fred and I have been thrown out of houses where we were trying to share the gospel, but that's just part of it. You will have the opportunity to share with people who are on their deathbed. 
we've had that opportunity. The Lord, it's just amazing and awesome what God can do through you. And to, and, and, and to, and to see the younger ones grow up in this church and look to you as their example of how they should grow up and serve. They may not be deacons, but they will serve because guess what? As a servant of our Savior, we're all called to serve and do what he wants us to do. My, my father is in heaven today because a group of deacons continued to come to my house and share the gospel with him. I'm pretty sure he's grateful for that. <laughs> you will be called to do some strange things. Re-roof, hand out boxes of food, mow the yard, teach a class. You have to be willing to do what the Lord wants you to do. Everything that you have belongs to God, and that goes for everyone. Everything we have belongs to him, and he gave it to us so that we could share with others. I only got 10 pages. <laughs> You've been called as a deacon because we know you. This church knows you. They watch you. They've seen you grow up. And it's just an awesome feeling to see those who you may have a small part in their development to, to, to take on a, an, an, a responsibility like this. It's just fantastic. The, 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 the wives of these men, you know these guys better than anybody else. Keep an eye on them. You see, you see them start slipping, pull the rain in. Because Satan would love to hurt these guys, to, to diminish their, um, their position in, in, the, in the community, to, to damage their position in the church. So along with the wives, I charge the church to pray for these guys and love them as they do Christ's work. People will watch you. When I was when I was a young man, I saw in the church I grew up with in Pine Hills, I saw a, a deacon doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. So as a, as a good Christian, I should have prayed for him, right? <laughs> I used it as, as an excuse to do other things. So the bar is raised, I just pray that you will be able to serve God in a godly way. Don't let it go to your head because you're still just a worm, just like all of us. And we just pray together that you will work until he calls you home and that when he sees you, he will be able to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I love you guys more than life. Look to the look to the older deacons, look to the elders, look to the pastor for support. God bless. Thank you. So um, one of the things that um, Jim didn't mention is that he is retiring as a deacon. And <laughs> he keeps getting pulled back in. Um, you know, Jim is, sir, how long have you served as a deacon, Jim? 20 plus years serving, giving of himself. And you know, when I think of Jim, and I've, I've watched him over the years, and it is true, we do watch deacons and uh, as examples. And you know, Jim embodies Christ as a servant leader. That's what Jesus was. Jesus was the greatest leader, but he led by serving others. 
And that's what Jim embodies to me is that he did that. And you know, he's, he's, he's quiet. He's, I mean, he's really not quiet when you're one-on-one with him, but he's quiet. He's behind the scenes. He wasn't always trying to be out in front. You know, when Pastor Permenter retired from the church, we didn't have an associate pastor, so the deacons became in charge. And Jim and the others led with a really steady hand. And you know, what was interesting is during that transition between pastors, the church grew in people. The church grew financially under the leadership of Jim and the other deacons. And so, Jim, what we would like to do is... Um, because you're never out, right? You're never out. And so what we would like to do today is we are presenting to the congregation today a vote on electing Jim Milner as Deacon Emeritus, which what that really means is we've got a hook to him, so we can always pull him back in if we, <laughs> if we see the ship going astray. But Jim, is, you know, he reminds me, I was thinking, I was thinking yesterday as I was uh, about this, and, you know, what Jim reminded me of especially during those transitional times. And, you know, there's always things going on in the churches. Kind of that, an old ship, you know, an old wooden ship with a sail, and, and the seas are kind of rough, and he's got that tiller. And he's just guiding back and forth, right? The ship's moving and going, but he's really leaning into it. And, uh, Jim, we love you, man. And, and Jamie, great sister. I mean, that's the deacon's wife right there, supporting, reining him in a lot. That was a huge job that she had. So that's why she's so tough. But Jim, um, what we're going to do today is um, we're going to have a vote. And all those people that are in favor of recognizing Jim Milner as our deacon emeritus, raise your hand. All those that are opposed, raise your hand. We're all there, Jim. We love you. Love you. Thank you for your service. Fantastic. I sent Jim a text. He about wrecked, I guess, the other day. I sent him a text and I asked him if he was still planning to retire or if he had reconsidered. And I think he was about wrecked laughing. He said, yeah, whatever. I'm out. So, uh, no, um, but here he is, he's, he's trying to retire, and yet here he is working on this project this weekend and helping with that. So praise the Lord. Love you, brother. Love you. All right, seeing that this morning, we're going to install these four men as servants of this congregation. It would be well for us to, uh, for all of us involved, that's us here at First Baptist Geneva, and for these four men to consider, uh, consider what is expected of them in this office. So, Jim, you hit on some of the things I'm going to talk about, so I appreciate you saying that. I'm going to come behind you, and I'm going to hit that nail again on some of these things. So I'm going to bring a charge to these men and, and, a, and also a charge to this congregation. First thing is this, is a charge to these to these deacons. Can y'all slide this way? I'm going to talk to y'all for a little bit. Yeah, can y'all move? Yeah, can y'all move in? Gina, can you slide down? Y'all move this way a little more. And I'm going to talk to you guys and ladies here. As we already saw, the prototype of this position of deacon is found in these passages in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And, and, the, and the, the first point of this is, is, is the charge is to be a servant to the faithful. Your charge is to be a servant to this body right here, to the faithful in this church. Note that these men were set aside by the church uh, at Jerusalem. We read this already. The, the church set them aside, and their job was to serve tables. It was to, it was, I mean, these were great men, honorable men, and yet they were selected to serve tables, to wait on people really hand and foot. There was a problem in the, in the first church. The Hellenist widows were being left out of the daily distribution concerning temporal needs, and the apostles you know, wisely called the church together and told them to pick out from among them seven men. And, and so they did that. Now, gentlemen, uh, just like these seven men were appointed servants in the church of Jerusalem, so too have you been called to be servants here at First Baptist Geneva. You've been called out for that purpose. Now, a servant is a waiter, right? It's a, it's a waiter. That's really the, the idea of that word of servant. It's a waiter. It's an attendant. It's one who runs errands or does menial duties concerning the temporal things of the church. Can I tell you this? I've seen each of these men do that. I've seen them serve in the, in the, in the, the simplest, most menial task without griping, cleaning windows, mopping floors, taking out trash, 
cutting grass, picking up trash, garbage outside, whatever, doing anything that needs to be done. That, that's what the, uh, those guys were called to do, and that's what our guys uh, are called to do. They run these, these, these errands. They do these tasks that need to be done. So today you are being set aside as a diakonos, as a servant. Be aware of the task set before you. The Lord has placed you here in this position, therefore serve with a humble mindset. Man, being ordained as a deacon is not something to get boastful about or now to feel like, boy, I've arrived, I'm there. This is a thing to continue to have that humble mindset. In John chapter 13, verses 3 through 15, we see uh, the Lord of glory humbling himself and washing the feet of the disciples. They should have washed his feet. They should have gotten in line to wash his feet. He comes in, you know the story, he comes in and, and no one, there, there should have been an attendant there to wash the feet of those who, as they came in. And no one did that. No one had made the preparations to do that. And not one of the, the disciples humbled himself enough to go and, and do that. Who did that? The Lord did that. The, the Lord modeled for us humility and doing the most menial task and the, and the most, what we would look at today, oh, that's, a, that's that, man, that's, that's beneath me. It's not beneath a servant. And the Lord was a servant and these men are servants. Um, we already read where the Lord said, you know, just as I came to not to be served, but to serve. That is your calling. And uh, so I charge you deacons to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ through your service as a deacon in this church. Number two, I charge you to be a defender of the faith. And Jim mentioned, mentioned this. Be a defender of the faith. Acts chapter 6, verse uh, 8 through chapter 7, verse 60. And when you read these passages, you witness the story of Stephen and his great defense of the Christian faith despite great difficulty and great challenge from those around him. And we know what ultimately happened, that Stephen was killed for his faith. But Stephen stood firm. He stood firm there. He he, he defended the faith. He defended the faith with those. He was preaching the gospel. He's defending the faith before them. He is sharing truth. Gentlemen, just like Stephen, there will be times both in the church and outside of the church in which you will be put into a situation of defending the faith. You will be required to take a stand concerning the reality and truth of God's word. There will be some who will put tradition over and above the truth. Boy, that happens in church so often. That tradition is more important. I know what the Bible says, but this is the way we've always done it. We, that's, not, that's not the way we're going to function. And when you see those things, be defenders of the faith. And then there's others. You know, it, It'll happen there will be others who will attempt to compromise or water down the truth. Don't let that happen. Don't let the truth be compromised. You guys be defenders of the faith. And, and so when that happens, you have to stand up. You have to stand firm and, and defend the faith. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify uh, the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Always be ready to give a defense. Always be ready to share your testimony. Always be ready to tell somebody why you believe what you believe. Share that with them. 1 Timothy 4, chapter, uh, verses 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. We already see that happening in our world today. We see it happening in pulpits around America today where there are folks who have departed from the truth, people who have deceiving spirits, who are speaking lies, deceiving folks. You, gentlemen, you have, you have a responsibility in this. And I, let, me, let me say this if I haven't already, and I don't think I did. Our, our deacons that are already deacons, I'm challenging you again today with what's being said. Because as a deacon, the things that are being said, that still applies to those that are already serving as deacons. But those things are going to happen. And, and uh, Paul goes on and writes in, in chapter 4 there in verse 6, he says, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. That word nourished means educate. It means to form the mind. You gentlemen have more than a responsibility just to be, you know, just to be waiting tables, just to be taking out trash. You have a call to defend the faith. You have a call to share the faith. 
You have a call to under, to, so it requires you to learn. And it requires you to know these, the, 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 the gospel, to know the scriptures and know these things so that then you can invest in others. You can nourish, you can educate, you can form and shape the mind. So you're, I'm, looking, I'm going to look to you to help. You know, we, we, Raymond and John and our other teachers, we all have a role in discipling this congregation. You have a role in that. Right. You have a role in preaching and teaching and exhorting with the Word of God. Amen? So I charge you deacons to be defenders of the faith. Number three, be an evangelist who shares your faith. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. You know, here we observe uh, uh, the story of, uh, of, 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 of Philip. You know, the, if, you, if you're aware of the story there, Philip is, is just, he, he's in studies and the Holy Spirit of God speaks to his heart, tells him to get up and take off. And says, go in that direction. And he's like, I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going for, but he takes off. He's obedient to what God says. And as he, as he goes, he comes upon this chariot and it's the Ethiopian eunuch. And there's a, a train of people and he's running along with them. And, and the Holy Spirit of God says, go and kind of connect yourself up and tells him where to go. So he goes up next to this chariot and the Lord worked all of that out. The Lord just ordained all of that. It wasn't Philip going, you know what? I need to go out today and we should. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't do this. We need to be very intentional with the gospel. But when the Holy Spirit of God speaks to you, you got to listen. You got to listen. And the Holy Spirit, God said, get up and go. And Philip got up and went. He went down and the Lord, and the Lord said, the Holy Spirit said, hey, connect yourself to that chariot. So he's running along and, and, he, and he picks up that this Ethiopian eunuch is in there reading the scriptures. And so Philip says, hey, do you know what you're reading? How can I know unless somebody teach me? Hey, He's there because he was obedient to what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And so he's, he's, we call him the evangelist because he just obeyed God. When he got the opportunity, he shared his faith. He shared the gospel. And we know the story, the Ethiopian eunuch then, who in Ethiopia had a great position of, of authority and power there, probably second in command maybe to the queen. Great we under, and, we, and we believe he probably went back and started the church in Ethiopia. But he came to faith right there. And then he says, hey, what prohibits me from being baptized? And uh, Philip said, well, you, you got to believe. You got to be a born again believer first. That's the context of what he's talking about. And he says, I believe. And there's water. What prohibits me then? And they stop. And right there they go in and they baptize. Philip baptizes him. Ethiopian unit becomes a believer right there because of Philip's faithful, faithfulness and obedience to what God told him to do. Be faithful to the gospel. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, he says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Folks, that's the gospel. The gospel's not... That, that Jesus, you know, uh, the Lord healed me of sickness. That's not the gospel. That's God's work in our life. That's not the gospel. The gospel's not that, you know, I needed a job and I prayed about it and God just blessed me with that new job or he gave me a new car or he put money in my bank or he put, even he, that's not the gospel. The gospel met the need that we have spiritually that could not be met any other way. And that is that the Lord Jesus Christ, he came to this earth. He died for our sins. He died for our sins. Amen. And he was buried. And he rose again. Amen. And all of that's important. And you hold to that. And when you have opportunity, share your faith. Evangelize. Tell people, share this good news. Folks, I'm not just speaking to these deacon elect right now. This is for every one of us as a believer. You know, everything that I'm talking to these deacons elect applies to every one of you if you're a believer. Everything they're called to do, you're called to do. They've just answered the call in a way that has been identified and now God has selected them to serve in a role as a diakonos recognized in this church. But every one of us in here is a servant if we are a born-again believer. There ain't a one of us in here that the bar is lower for than it is for these, these men. Y'all with me? Okay. So I charge you deacons, be evangelist, share your faith. Number four, 
be standard keepers before others as they live their faith. The qualifications for deacon uh, that we already read were laid out in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, and 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. You have been examined by the elder council, and you've been found to be men of great reputation, a good reputation. I don't know about great reputation, but good reputation. Scriptures say good reputation. No. These are men of great reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And you've been, you've been recommended to the church for vote. The elders, we did our part, and we presented you to the church. The church voted. This congregation voted. And, and uh, they have confirmed that recommendation from the elder council. So, gentlemen, you need to realize that you will now be living as a deacon. And a couple of you have done this before. You, you've served as deacons. You were, you were ordained in the past. Uh, doesn't mean that changed. We may just simply be installing you. I joked about Todd. I said, I don't know. Maybe we need to. Don't know where that was done, but it, it's good. We're, we're, we're going we're to, we're, we're redoing it. Uh, we're just, we're going to put an enhancement on what was already recognized in their life. But you guys understand this, that you're in a glass house. And as deacons, everybody, everybody watches you. As pastor, as elder, everybody watches you. You know, as a Sunday school teacher, everybody watches you. As a, a, as a, a greeter, as a greeter at the back door, Glenn Barr, people watch you. Now, I don't mean to watch you coming in here. They come in and they say, oh, Glenn Barr, man, he's a greeter at the Baptist church. He's at the front door. They're going to watch how you live your life. Every, everybody in this room, if you're, a, if you're a Christian, you attend the church, you're a member at First Baptist Geneva, you know what? People watch your life. They're watching how you live your life. So what example are you setting? These deacons... You, you've got a huge responsibility now because people are going to watch you. You're in, you're in a glass house. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourselves toward godliness. Exercise yourselves toward godliness. That implies some work. It implies some growth. You've got to continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It, 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 it's work. It, 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 this doesn't happen. You know, have any of you ever slept on your Bible? You know, you ever heard of osmosis? I wish it worked. I wish I could just put this under my pillow and sleep on it. And by osmosis, everything would just get into my brain. I, I wish it worked that way. But it doesn't work that way. It requires work. It, it requires study. And, per, and being a deacon, well, I'm a servant. I'm not required. No, no, no. You're absolutely required to understand the Word of God, to know the Word of God, to study the Word of God. You can't be a defender of the faith. You can't be an evangelist if you don't understand it. So you have an obligation to exercise yourself toward godliness. 1 Timothy 4.12 then says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example. Your life should be an example for those around you. In the believe, uh, to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So in word, uh, people scrutinize every word you say, even in private conversations. Amen? Y'all know that, right? People, and, and if you're in any type of leadership, they're going to scrutinize the things you say. And, and so things that before you might not have thought much about, you gotta, you got to watch what you say. Because people are listening to everything. And scripture tells us this, Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. What should come out of our mouth? Only those things that impart grace. Those things that are going to build others up. That's what our, our desire is to be. No corrupt word. Uh, in word, in conduct. That word conduct there, it's lifestyle or your behavior. You're called to a higher standard than others. Use wisdom and discernment to keep you from, uh, from uh, keep you distant from the world. Don't, don't get caught up in the world. Don't get pulled down by the world. And so you, you want to... Uh, you want, to, you want to set a godly, a godly example in everything that you do. Don't even give the appearance of sin. Don't even give that appearance. You want to live your life in a way that you are above reproach. You ever heard that word, above reproach? You know, when you live above reproach, I, someone said years ago that it's this, is you don't have handles in your life. Think about that. You, 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 a glass versus a mug, which one's easier to hold on to? A mug's a whole lot easier to hold on to. 
Because a mug's got a handle. It's something to grab onto. Living above reproach, your lifestyle, everything, the way that you live your life, live above reproach. Don't have handles in your life that someone could grab onto and pull you down. In love. Grow in, in your love for these people. Not just these people, but the body of Christ as a whole. But this congregation, you, you should love these people. And you should grow in that love. And, and the fact is, as a deacon, uh, Jim, have you ever known something about somebody you wish you didn't know? Oh, yeah. yeah? You're like, well, I wish I could just highlight and delete that. But it doesn't work that way. And, uh, you know, uh, th- this congregation, they're going to know you well. And you're going to know them well. And you're going to know things about people that you go, man, I can't believe it. You know what we're called to do? We're called to love them and minister to them. And, we're go- and that's what we're going to do. So in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit. Now, the word in spirit there, it comes from the word pneuma, uh, like pneumatic. We were using a pneumatic mailer yesterday, nailer yesterday. It's driven by air. So it's, it's a current of air is this pneuma. And it, it, the, the idea here is, is a breath or a blast or a breeze. And uh, my challenge would be, and I think that the idea here is to be a breath of fresh air in people's lives. Man, I, I sometimes, I, I, I can be very, I can be serious I have, a, I have a serious resting face. Someone even mentioned this morning, I think Claire said, you look like you're, you're I, I, yeah, I was. I had a class about to start, trying to figure out some stuff in here, so I had a lot on my mind, and I, I, can, be, I can be distracted. And uh, I don't, I don't want to be distracted, and I don't want to be short with anybody. I don't want to be those things. I want to be a breath of fresh air for folks. And that's what our, we, ought to, we ought to strive. We ought to be an encourager to people with the things that come out of our mouth. We're in spirit. We're lifting them up. In faith, you should be faithful. You should, you should have faithfulness and conviction in three areas. You need to be faithful to God. You need to be faithful to your family. And you need to be faithful to the ministry God's put you into. So this congregation now invests in you a sacred trust. And I, I would encourage you, do not violate that trust. Do not violate it. And then impurity, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain again, abstain from every form of evil. We want to live our lives in a pure way. We want to live our lives in a way that, man, when people watch us, they go, man, that, that, they've got it. They're, they're living out their faith. Both you and your spouse need to conduct your lives openly and candidly before others. Uh, I, I'll say this, we are ordaining four men as deacons. But you guys are, you guys get pulled and dragged along into this, you ladies. Y'all get pulled along into it. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, Chris, Patrick, David, um, Todd, your wife is not the deacon. You're the deacon. And so, church, we don't put an expectation on these spouses as though, you know, they're, they're, for, they're, they're there for us to just call up and whatever we need, or I'm going to gripe about something. That's not, that's not how that works. They're, they're, your job is to support your husband, love him, encourage him, help him. Um, man, one of the things I put in here was publicly support your husband. Guard his reputation. Agree. Uh, 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 you can agree publicly, disagree privately. Okay? <laughs> Disagree privately. You can let him have it when you get home. But don't do that publicly. Don't, don't shame him that way. Um, deacons, live your life so that others would want to imitate your walk. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, when he said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Um, I charge you deacons to be standard keepers before others. Keep the standard. Set the standard. Have a high standard. Follow the Lord as you follow the Lord, you set an example, you set a standard for others that they can, they can follow. That's my challenge to you guys. Now, two things I want to charge to the church. Um, and this, this concerns our new deacons and our existing deacons, church. Number one, and Jim said this, pray, pray for these men. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. You should pray for these men every day. Pray for your deacons. Pray for your elders. Pray, I pr- pray for me. I covet your prayers. When people tell me I pray for you every day, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that because I need your prayers every day. Pray for these men. Pray for their families. If Satan can't get uh, me or John or Raymond, or, or he's going to come after you. And Anybody he can bring down that's in leadership, he wants to do that. 
Y'all, uh, y'all pray, for, pray for them. Spurgeon said his greatest strength came to him because the members of his church were praying for him. So lift these men up daily. Amen? Second thing is this, is support these men. Now this verse is going to seem strange, but in Philippians 4.15, Paul wrote to the church there in Philippi, and he says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He was commending them because what they did was they met a physical need. I, I would say we could do that as a church. We want to watch. If we've got a deacon that's in need, Man, sometimes they're so busy caring for the needs of others, maybe that, that, that something gets missed. We want to look at that. But I would go from another standpoint. Support these men in, uh, in encouragement, in building them up. They're going to have a lot on them. Support them already through prayer. But here's another thing. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about this, but some of the roles for our deacons are going to change. And when a deacon comes to you and says, I need somebody to help with this, be willing to jump in and help with that. Don't, don't, don't go, well, that's not, that's not my job or that's not my ministry. It, when, when, when they express a need, help them out. Support them in that way. Encourage them in what they're doing. Amen? All right, so in conclusion, to this church you will now be known as deacon. To the Lord, you will now be his deacons known as servant, defender, evangelist, and standard keeper. Serving him. As Jim said, you're not serving me. You're not, you're not serving the elders. You will, you will serve with the elders. And we'll work together as a team in this church. But you don't serve at, at my... You serve the Lord. You serve the Lord. Uh, serve him here at First Baptist Geneva. These are great titles. Servant, Defender, Evangelist, Standard Keeper. Those are great titles all. And I know that you're each going to wear them well. Therefore, Deacons Todd Brain, David Callan, Patrick Duncan, and Chris Sheets, I charge you before this body of witnesses that you serve in your position well. Amen? Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. Um, we have some chairs out here. Jay, can you help? Philip, would you help with that? We have some chairs. We're going to pull some chairs in here. And uh, we're going to have a time where, we, where we're going to pray over our, our deacons. Uh, and what this time is, is if you are, if you are ordained, I'm going to have, we're going to face the, that way. And we want the, the spouse sitting there with, with our, our deacons elect. All right, they're not elect anymore. They're our deacons. We're installing them today. They're, they're in. Um, but I want you to sit there. And if you are, if you're in the congregation today, our, our deacons that are ordained, uh, anyone else that's been ordained, we're going to slide those up closer, Jay, so that we can we'll go closer to them. They're going to turn around and sit, and we want we want folks to be, we want those that are going to come pray to be able to come behind them. So there you go, yeah, excellent. That'll work. You guys can take a seat there, facing that way. So if you are if you are ordained, you have been ordained, uh, then we want you to we want you to come have a time to come and. And, uh, and pray with the, these families, with these deacons. And uh, so we'll start, you can start on this side over here or wherever, make your way across. We're just going to have a season of prayer. I invite you where you're sitting, if you would pray for each of these and their families. And uh, when, when, we're, when we're done with this time of prayer, then we'll, we'll wrap up our service, okay? Raymond.